I love this time of year um, because you never know with your weather what you're going to get and it helps you to stay flexible. And so like with yesterday, with the little snow squalls in the wind, you're like, wow, okay, it's still winter. And then you get up this morning and it's beautiful and it's like, oh, spring's here. And then t- tomorrow you don't know what you're gonna, you're gonna get. So I like variety and change and different things. So it's, it's good, it's, it's, it's wonderful. Well, here we are, we're in week three of a series on the Psalms, and uh, very excited about that. It's poetry in motion, looking at the Psalms in real life. And if you missed any of the previous messages in the series and you want to catch up and you want to kind of get the, the, some of the backstory and some of the different pieces, uh, they are available on our website. It's great. We have that, the media there and uh, you can go under messages, faithhalifax.org, and you can catch up on some of those audio files. And, and just in case you're, you know, you're kind of new around here and you don't know, I'm, I'm Pastor Glenn. I'm, I'm one of the team here, one of the pastors at Faith, uh, and so glad that, that we can be gathered together. I really appreciate how the Psalms give voice to people in real situations, responding to a real God in, an, in a really authentic way. I mean, that's one of the powerful things about the Psalms. It's not always pretty, but it's truthful. Sound familiar? I mean, it, that's, that's my life in a nutshell, right? It's, it's, it's not always pretty, but it's truthful. And it's like, so, oh, to be open to God to be authentic, the freedom that comes with just kind of being able to lay our hearts bare before him and find the depth of goodness and faithfulness and holiness envelop us and accept, be accepted. It could be accepted by him, to be adopted, to be his sons and daughters and to express that in, in an authentic way. You know, I would hope that, that my son or daughter would be in, in such a way that our relationship would be that they could be honest and open and know that they can run to me and the response they're going to get is open arms. And so I believe that's how God looks at us. I want to continue in this journey in the Psalms today um, by looking at a particular circumstance in David's life that, that gives context. We talked about that a little bit last week with David. David, um, in, the, in, in the message that I brought there, David, uh, was, he was the king at that time and he was confronted for, for his sin, for his adultery and murder. And, and through that, we, we had this psalm of repentance and, and our prayer to God for that. And, and, and that, was, that was powerful. And, and in the context this time that I want to get into, again, I want to I'm going to use David as the example but, and realize that that's, statistically that's probably going to happen quite a lot when you're studying the Psalms. So many of the Psalms are attributed to him as being the one that wrote them. So as I was going through this, I came across these, these Psalms and it's in the life of David before he became king. Okay, so David has, King David, or he wasn't King David yet, so he'd been anointed by Samuel, so he was set apart by God, but he was going to be Saul's successor. But Saul was still king. David hadn't taken the throne yet, so Saul was still king. And David was actually serving with Saul. He was serving the nation as a military leader. He was a very successful military leader. He he won many battles for his king. He was loyal. But he was actually so successful that it really started to cause Saul in his insecurity to question David's loyalty. And it came to the point where Saul was actually hunting David down to take his life because he didn't want David to, 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 to become king. He was just so possessed or, you know, so obsessed with this thought that it, it just became that Saul was chasing David everywhere and trying to hunt him down. 
So during the course of this, I'll say, trying to avoid being killed by Saul, David takes refuge in a cave. Now he's got a few ragtag folks with him, these some, some questionable characters that had rallied to his side, but he finds himself in a cave hiding from Saul. Now, over the years of traveling as, as a family, we've had a chance to, to live in a few different places, and it's been great to, to travel around a little bit. And, and one of the, I'll say, the, the, the opportunities that we've had is we've been able to see a few caves um, in our travels, um, and, and they were pretty spectacular. I mean, these underground caverns were, were massive, and one of them in particular was actually discovered. Somebody actually literally stumbled upon it and came to this small opening, and when they, when they crawled down through it and they, they got a light, it turned into this massive cave, so it was pretty spectacular. Now, these particular caves are a tourist attraction. Like, they, they do tours and take you in through them all, and they're, they're guided, and, and it, you get the whole underground experience. You know, you get, to, you get to see all the things underground. And for me, one of the beautiful things, is, like when you're down there and the, the, they've got these, these lights shining on, on the different, uh, like the stalagmites and the stalactites and all these different formations. And the water there is so still and so clear and how the, the lights play off of that. It's like, it's like being in a different world. Like you're there, you're looking around, it's like, is this really planet Earth? It's out of this world. Well, something that happened in at least one of these cave tours that, that we took, and we, Debbie and I and the, and the kids, and we were, the guide had taken us, and partway through the tour, the guide turned all of the lights out, like turned all of them off, every light, every flashlight, every light in the place they turned off. Now, if you've ever been in a deep cave with the lights off, you will know what I mean when I say it was dark. Now, I grew up in the country, out in the boonies, like grew up on a farm. And it's like, I'm actually pretty good at navigating, like I'm familiar territory on the farm. I can kind of spot things. And even in, the, even in the dark, you know, you pick out certain things. And I can navigate pretty good in the dark. No problem with that. Like, like, it's kind of neat sometimes. But in this case, in this cave, with no lights, it was different. You literally could not see your hand in front of your face. There was no sensation of vision whatsoever. It was complete and utter darkness. I mean, you had no point of reference. You could almost feel the darkness. It was so dark. And it was a bit disorienting because only moments before you you know, you, you were aware of your surroundings. You had points of reference. Like, you kind of knew where you were at. But, then, but when the lights went out, it was like that all disappeared. Now your sense of sight was absolutely no good to you. Caves are a world of their own. David was in a cave. I want to pray. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you, God, that you speak to us. And Lord, I pray right now as we continue, Lord, that you will speak. God, there's, there's some folks here this morning that need a word from you. There's some folks here this morning, God, that are desperate to hear from you. And God, I pray that by your spirit, I know you've already been working, God, because I've sensed it in the, in the worship 
in the prayer. God, you're at work. And God, I just pray you will continue to work. And God, you'll be glorified in it in Jesus' name. Amen. David was in a cave. And after having a chance to kill Saul but choosing not to, David confronts Saul with these words. First, oh, yeah, first Samuel. I got the reference wrong. First Samuel 24, 15, so I, got, I get it right now. May the Lord be our judge and decide between us. May he consider my cause and uphold it. May he vindicate me by delivering me from your hand. Okay, so he, David's had a chance to kill Saul. He chooses not to. And then after choosing not to, he actually confronts Saul and he says, Saul, it's like, why are you hunting me? This is ridiculous. But he prays and he says, may the Lord be our judge and decide between us. May he consider my cause and uphold it. May he vindicate me by delivering me from your hand. That was David's approach to the situation that he was in running from the king, from being hunted. That was, that was his approach to taking care of this. He prayed, he cried out. Now I want to actually look at Psalm 142. And again, the description that is given at the beginning of the psalm is an important indication of the context of that psalm. So Psalm 142, it says, a mascal of David when he was in the cave. You know, a prayer. Verse 1 says, I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out before him my complaint. Before him I tell my trouble. When my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who watch over my way. In the path where I walk, people have hidden snares for me. Look and see, there's, there's no one at my right hand. No one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. I cry to you, Lord. I say, Lord, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry, for I'm desperate need. Rescue me from these who pursue me, for you are too strong for me. Set me free from my prison, that I may praise your name. Then the righteous will gather around me because of your goodness to me. In this psalm, and I know that I just read that, and I didn't really do it justice, but in this psalm, David gives voice to those in trouble. The one who doesn't have anywhere to turn. I mean, to me, it empowers us to be real with God, to go there with God, to be honest with him. There's, there's so many great principles that we can pull from this prayer. And, and recognize that this is a prayer, like this is directed to God, and it's the way it's said. And I want to look at it in a little bit more detail. The first two verses says, I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out before him my complaint. Before him I tell my trouble. All right, I, I, I know this may, may sound silly, but, but it bears saying, I am sometimes prone to either keep my troubles to myself and get crushed by them or complain to anyone that will listen so I can get them off my chest, but I don't always take them to God in faith. Right? And I know from experience, from interacting with others, I'm not the only one that does that. We either, we either try to tough it out and keep it to ourselves and, 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 and struggle with that and end up in isolation. We complain to anybody that will listen. And it's like, 
there's been a few times that I've had somebody, you know, maybe come to me about something and, and express it and tell me in detail about it. And then and it's like, have you prayed about this? Oh, um, no. Well, let's do that right now. Right? Like, so you go through the, right? It's like you, you've got a situation that David and the power that, that he brings to this is like that sustained him in this cave was that he took it to God in prayer. Deep, heartfelt, real prayer. Some of us need to remind her that God wants us to take it to him, not to Facebook. Right? There's, there's just, right? There's sometimes there's things that, that maybe we need to bring to the Lord and, and, and be willing to just lay it at his feet and say, God, this is happening. This is what's coming down around me. Like, God, I cry to you, Lord. I lift up my voice to you. Lord, hear my complaint. God has an incredible complaint department. Never puts you on hold. It's, it's, it's always there. And then in verses three and four, David sees that he's kind of run out of options. He's in a situation where he recognizes that, that he says, you know, there's, there's nobody at my right hand. There's all these different things. It's like people have not come around me. And it's, he, he feels like there's no one to turn to. You know, we live in a world of options, right? Like, you know, you go through the drive-thru. You just, you, you go on the web to, to, to order something. It's like all those different things. Like we're options, 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 options. So many that we sometimes don't even know where to turn. So when it comes to a place where we don't have any options that we like, it can often paralyze us. It kind of leaves us in a place like, what do I do? I have no options. We succumb to the darkness in those, op- in, in those moments. Like we, we kind of, we, we come to a point where we're like, I don't have any options. What am I supposed to do? Where do I turn? And it's like, and if it's in a case like with David, that leaves us in the darkness. We're sitting there and it kind of just overwhelms us and we sink under this sense of of lack, of lack. I have no options. But David, he expressed himself to the Lord. I love what it says in verse five. It says, I cry to you, Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. I mean, David makes God his refuge. Yes, he's in a cave, right? But he is, it's, God is still his refuge, even though his physical surroundings are a cave. Not his fighting men, not his sword, not foreign powers. God is my refuge. God is my refuge. Set me free from this prison that I might praise your name. Then the righteous will gather about me because of your goodness to me. I mean, I love how David keeps praise in the mix. Right? Context. He's still in the cave. But he keeps praise in the mix. Even as he asks to be set free, He's praising God and he waits. He just, like, God, give me the opportunity to exalt you and and to draw people to you and to to express your faithfulness to me. I mean, that's that's his attitude. That's his posture as he's in this situation. When in the darkness, when in the cave, when we can no longer count on our eyes to guide us, when we can't see the answer, when we can't see our hand in front of our face, we can cry out to the Lord and we can take refuge in him. You know, I, 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 I'm one of those people that, you know, some, some people will actually ask for hard times that they might be closer to God. You know, like they even ask or pray for persecution. I'm not one of those guys. I'm not a big fan of that. If, if it comes, okay. But it's like I don't go looking for it. Um, but in this situation, right, like in this, in this type of a context, we see this is 
a pretty big deal. I mean, he's been hunted. He's, he's finding himself in, a, in an abandoned situation that the darkness is real. And in the midst of that, his singular purpose, his, his focus is God. And it's like, you know, for us, if we, if we can kind of almost voluntarily get there, where God is our go-to, where our first, first port of call is God, like that, that we see him when we actually begin to, to bring some other things, uh, pull things, some other things away, that God becomes that focus. It's like um, there's, there's a guy that goes to this church that, that a, a few years ago went through a very dark time in his life and ended up actually bedridden and, and, and almost in darkness and, and I've heard him actually thank God for that because it brought him to a place of such depth with God because God is all he had. He would listen to, to the scriptures. He would, he would study God's word, and that's, that's basically all he could handle. And it brought him to a place that nothing else could have. So I don't go looking for those things. But if, you know, if you're in a place where you think everything is gone and all is lost and there's nowhere to turn, this message is for you. That this, this message is for you. And, it, and so I, I want to actually jump to another psalm, Psalm 57, which is also, it, it's the same context. It's David wrote it while he was in the cave, right? So this is another psalm written from that same place. And again, it opens Psalm 57. It starts with, to the tune of do not destroy. So it's like, do not destroy. Like, it's, it's got to be on the guitar. It's, I don't know, it's electric guitar in there somewhere. It's, a, it's, it's definitely. Um, it's of David. And, and then he said, when he had fled from Saul into the cave. Context, right? Context is so important with this. Because we can read them and picture a flowery garden or, you know, a beautiful meadow and running, whatever. David when he fled from Saul in the cave, verse one says, have mercy on me, my God, have mercy on me for you, for in you I take refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until this disaster has passed. Have mercy on me, my God, have mercy on me for in you I take refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until this disaster has passed. Until this disaster has passed. David goes on from there in this psalm, very similar to Psalm 142, where he reflects on his situation, which is a polite way to say complained about where he was at, right? Reflecting on his situation like we do. But there's a shift. There's a shift in this psalm that I don't want you to miss. There's a shift that takes place. Something happens in the halfway through this psalm where he is, he's voiced his complaint to God. He's stated the situation. He's leaned into it. And then David starts to get a little passionate like David does. He starts to get a little fired up about his situation as David does. He gets a little vocal against the darkness. He gets a little brave and he starts declaring some things in the cave. In the cave. He starts declaring 
He says, my heart, O God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. Awake my soul. Awake harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. He can't even see the heavens. He can't see the stars. He can't see the moon. He can't see the sun. He's in a cave. But in the midst of his darkness, he says, God, I have made up my mind. My heart is set on you. In the midst of this darkness, I am steady in you. Not in my circumstance, not in my military power, not in my own strength. God, I am steadfast. I will sing. I will sing. I will make music. I declare I will awake the harp and the lyre. I will awake the dawn, which I can't even see. What's dawn? Dawn is light coming into darkness. I will awaken the dawn in my situation. I will declare light in the darkness. It will come. Praise was ringing from that cave. God was exalted in the darkness. David was eventually able to leave that cave. God fulfilled his promises to David. But David prayed and David praised in the cave. He declared God's faithfulness in the darkness. That takes a special kind of faith but only a teeny, teeny bit of it. It doesn't have to be pretty. It just has to be genuine. It's a decision. I will. I will. I will sing. I will praise. I will exalt. Now, maybe you're here today, (laughs) and the place you have gone for refuge, I'll say, right? The place you've gone to to deal with the challenges, the Saul that's chasing you, has somehow somehow in the process it's become your prison. The candle has gone out. And you're in darkness. And, And what you had relied on in that moment as your point of reference has gone out. What was clear not long ago is now invisible. Can I encourage you today that God can be and wants to be your point of reference. God wants to be that light in the darkness, that sense of direction. God wants to be your anchor and your hope. I encourage you to go back to who God is Go back to what he has promised and recognize that his presence is there with you in the midst of it. I mean, Psalm 142, verse 3, when my spirit grows faint within me, it's you who watch over my way. I mean, that's being real. You know what? Our spirit may faint at times. I mean, David's not even coming at this from a place of strength. He's coming at it from a place of vulnerability. When my spirit grows faint within me, that's being real. 
We live in a world where you can't always trust your eyes, but when sight is removed from your options, we're forced to find another point of reference or means to navigate. God's word, God's promises, his faithfulness are a light in the darkness. I'm going to ask the team to come back. And uh, as they do, I want to refer to a message from a year ago at Easter. Uh, Last Easter, I did a message series called Beyond the Cross. And as part of that series, um, we had this, this blackboard, chalkboard up at the front here. And what we asked people to do is to write something that you are trying to get beyond or that God is taking you through or God is getting you beyond and and bring it up and and write it on the chalkboard. The top three things that went on that, that board, number one was fear. Number two was anxiety. And number three was shame. Now the interesting thing is in prayer this morning as we're gathering around, one of the themes was overcoming fear. As, as, you know, as Nathan was, was praying this morning and he, and he says, I, I feel like I need to say something. I said, go for it, man. And it was, God is not, you know, Timothy, was it 1 Timothy 7? 2 Timothy 7. 1 7. One, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and sound mind. Fear. Anxiety. Shame. You see, it's easy for me to imagine anxiety, fear, shame as the darkness in a cave. It's, it's easy for me to imagine that in, our, in my heart, in my mind, that sense, that almost restricting, confining sense that it, it's like it becomes, it feels like the walls are closing in, that kind of darkness. Fear, anxiety, shame, that cold, damp darkness. And it can seem overwhelming at times. I'm just, I'm just being real. I think it's important that we, we recognize that, that it's like we're not, we're not somehow, you know, even if we think that nobody else is going through it, don't buy into that. We all experience it in some level, in some way. Philippians chapter, chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 in the NLT, it's like, and we, we, I, I, I use this scripture a lot, and I, and I consider it often. And it says, but, but don't worry about anything. And it's like, yeah, well, that's easier said than done, right? It's like, ah, I just worry, I worry too much. No. Don't worry about anything. Instead, Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And thank him for all he's done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. My heart is steadfast. My heart is steadfast, O God. He goes to God and he tells God what he needs. He thanks him in the midst of the cave. He thanks him for what he's done and what he will do. And, and, and we, we get this great sense of, of God intervening on David's behalf. It's God's nature. It's not just David. 
God is here for us. Folks, I don't know what your situation is. I don't know what your darkness is. But I can say with the psalmist, even in the midst of the cave, God sends forth his love and his faithfulness. God sends forth his love and his faithfulness. You can't see it. It's dark. But he sends forth his love and faithfulness. There's two groups of people I want to encourage here this morning. First one. Maybe your spirit is weak. Your strength is gone. You've succumbed to the darkness. And others might not even know it. But deep down inside, you've given up. It's kind of like you're in the cave, you're in the dark. It's like, whatever. There's lots of sayings in the world that could take some of that whatever up. But whatever. If that's you here today, this whole message was for you. Even if it's one person, that was for you. And what we're going to do here this morning is we're not going to condemn anybody or look down on anybody. We're actually going to pray. <laughs> we're actually going to pray in the cave. We're going to pray in the darkness. We're going to believe together. So, so what I'm going to ask is, like, can we all stand together as we, as we kind of process this? It's like, it, it, you know, if that's you, in just a moment, I want you to come forward. We have a prayer team this morning, and we want to just to invite you to come and have people pray with you. And it's not, it's not to embarrass you. It's to come beside you and along with you. Because when we get weak in our spirit, when we get faint in our spirit, it is so helpful to have someone come alongside us and lift us up. But number two, I feel there's also some folks here this morning that like David, you need to, you need to declare some praise in your cave. You, you need to, to get a little fired up about your situation and start to talk about and declare the goodness of God in spite of your situation. That you need to, to lift some things up and declare and exalt God and lift your voice and express your praise to Him in the midst of your cave. Not waiting for the answer to thank God for what's coming. I read to the end of the book, we win. <laughs> David was delivered. David became king. That was hard to see in the midst of what he was doing. But he was determined. He said, my heart is steadfast. I will praise. I will sing. I will exalt my God in spite of my circumstance. This morning... Let's do that. Let's like throw off whatever hinders us. Let's worship him. If you're here this morning and you want somebody to agree with you in prayer, I invite you to come forward. We'll, we'll pray with you if you want. But can we like, mm, these songs, there's so much power in these songs. If we listen to the lyrics and the heart behind what's being said and we bring it, we bring it, God will meet us there. 
So let's go into this time of worship. Let's sing together. Let's declare these songs over our situations today in Jesus' name. Amen.